I just thank you for being here with us. We thank you that we can trust you, Lord. And, and it's fitting today that we are, we are talking about you as the Prince of Peace. Because you are our peace, Lord, whether things are unknown, whether things are up in the air, whether things are busy or difficult, uh, we, we can trust you because you are our peace. And so we're thankful, Lord. We're thankful today, and we pray that you'd open up our hearts and minds to hear what you would have us to say, to hear. I know that every one of us here today has something that you want to say. And so we list, we're listening, God. We're opening up our ears to hear you. Speak to our hearts, Lord. We want to worship you and know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're on the fourth week of Advent. Almost there. Almost done. Everyone ready for Christmas? Everyone got their wrapping all done and presents all done? I, I don't at all. So um, uh, if I know a few people that have it all done. They've had it done for like a week. I'm like, okay, we can still be friends, but that's about it because uh, that, is, that is not where we are right now. But um, praise the Lord. We're on the fourth week of Advent, and we've been looking at Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, right, this beautiful passage and these four throne names of Jesus. We got to go to Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and now today we're going to talk about the Prince of Peace. And so let's hear the verse today, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. What do we think of when we hear that Jesus is the Prince of Peace? We go, oh, thank God, because I need peace. Right? I'm busy. I'm anxious. I'm, I've got so much going on. It's just, you know, there's so much going on. I need peace, God. I need all this peace. And that's what we tend to think of when we think of Jesus as our Prince of Peace. And you know what? Praise the Lord. Jesus is that kind of Prince of Peace. He's here, and he brings us personal peace. We're going to talk about that. But I have to tell you that I don't think that's probably what Isaiah was thinking of when he wrote these words. He probably wasn't thinking about yours and my personal peace. What he was thinking about was a king. Remember, these are throne names of a king, of someone who is going to be reigning, a son to be born, who would become this kind of king. He said, this is the kind of king he would be. He's going to be a king who brings peace. Now, what kind of peace does a king bring to his kingdom? A good and powerful king brings peace among nations. He's found a way as a good king to coexist with the other nations in such a way that people are able to live in prosperity and safety and have no fear, right? There's no war. There's no sending their young men off to war because there's peace among the nations. That's what a good king, a peacemaking king would bring. And there would be such wisdom and fairness in the way he would rule that the government would, would care well, it would, it would act well toward the people. In other words, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end, as the scripture says. Also, a good and powerful king would bring the peace between people, right? He would establish a kingdom and a society in which people can interact well with one another and peacefully with one another, that there be respect for one another, regardless of ethnicity or status or race or education. People would live together peacefully and faithfully. There would be no injustice or hatred or racism in such a kingdom because he's brought peace between people. And a good and powerful king would bring peace 
for every individual in the kingdom. Each person would be able to live and thrive and work and take care of their family and do the things with a sense of safety and empowerment and their intrinsic value as a person. That's the kind of king. That's peace. I want that kind of peace. All of that for the nations, for within one another and our personal peace. There's a biblical word for this kind of peace, and it's called shalom. It's shalom. Shalom is a Hebrew word which encompasses many different kinds of peace. Peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, justice, prosperity, tranquility. It's for individuals and it's for societies. It's for nations and it's for communities and families. It's shalom. And there's a great Bible Project video on Shalom. I'll tell you, the Bible Project's amazing. Like, you should just, you, you don't even need to listen to me if you just listen to Bible Project. It's so good. But um, they have a great one on Shalom, which I encourage you to look up. Just a couple minutes long. But he talks about the fact that Shalom is this word that's used many, many times in the Old Testament. And it means completely different things every time it's used. It's such a rich word. And so I've started to go through the scriptures and all the ways in which this word is used in the Old Testament. Let me just give you some examples. And you can see the meaning of this word is much bigger than just a little bit of peace, okay? Let's look at Joshua 8.31. It says that the altar to God, they were building an altar to God, and it was made from shalom stone. That meant perfect, uncut stone. So shalom is like that perfection, Right? Un unsullied, un untarnished. Job 5.24 says that when you count your flocks and nothing is missing, then your tents are shalom. Means means if they're complete, nothing's lost, there's nothing lost, nothing missing, the tents are shalom, complete. It also has a meaning of safety, and I thought this was so interesting. This word is used, this Hebrew word is used, when in Genesis 33.18, Jacob came safely to the city. He came shalom to the city. So it means safety, which I thought was so fascinating. It also has the meaning of a fair and adequate reward for work well done. In the book of Ruth, Boaz, when he's talking to Ruth, he's seen her working hard and, and wanting her to be re recompensed um, fairly. He says to her in Ruth 2.12, May the Lord reward your work and your wages be shalom. The English word we get translated there is full. May your wages be full. May your wages be shalom from the Lord. Boy, we all need shalom wages, right? The full wages. That's shalom, is to receive the full wage for your work. 1 Kings 8.61, we're told to have our hearts be shalom to the Lord. And it means wholly devoted, completely given, 100% to him, nothing else taking away from our holy, whole devotion to the Lord. Proverbs 11.1 says, a false balance is an abomination. This is referring to the fact that in those days they would have buying and selling. They would use balances to weigh the things. And, and a false balance would be somebody would tweak the weight so that it would come up less so they could cheat the person, be either buying or selling. And so this is an abomination to the Lord, right? The cheating one another with a false weight. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a shalom weight, a just weight, a true weight is his delight. Shalom. And 2 Chronicles 8.16, when Solomon finished the temple, it was declared, the house of the Lord is shalom. It's complete. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> what a rich word. What a rich word. Safety and wholeness and justice and completeness and a total devotion. It's this idea that life's complex and there's many different pieces of it. And when any one piece is out of alignment, 
is out of shalom. It's like a stone is missing in a wall, and the thing is unstable. It needs to be made complete and whole. That's when we lack shalom, when we're lacking justice in the world, when we're lacking safety, when we're lacking devotion to God or a fair wage. That is, it's like life is no longer whole. It's broken and needs to be made complete. It needs shalom. And so let me ask you something. Who is it that makes all things complete and restores things that are broken? It's Jesus, right? Jesus is the prince of shalom. That's the word that's used there in Isaiah. It's shalom. He brings restoration. He brings justice. He brings completeness, wholeness, safety, prosperity, and peace. So this is, this is what our Jesus does. This is what the gospel is. It's not just all about yours and my personal peace, although, thank God, he takes care of that too. But it is such a much rich, richer and bringer, a big, bigger word than that. And so we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about how there's really, if you notice in those verses, there are, there's a horizontal element of our peace, of our shalom, but there's also a vertical element between us and God. And we're going to talk about both of those just for a few minutes today. And the first is this idea of restoration between people. The shalom. He wants us to have shalom. A restoration between men and women in the world. A wholeness and a peace in our horizontal relationships, in our community, in, in our families, among people, even in the nation. And there's so many verses which talk about this in the scripture. I, I, could, do, you know, I could do a whole series on it. But we just, we'll look at this one right now. Colossians 3, 13 to 15. Bear with each other, it says, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. Now you can see this is all about our interpersonal relationships, right? That's what this verse is all about. And I started thinking about it, and I was thinking, this is really timely <laughs> to be talking about this as we're going into Christmas. Because what happens at Christmas? Who comes visiting at Christmas? <laughs> Or who do you go visit? You're with the family, right? All these family members that you see once a year, you hope to see them maybe less than that, but, you know, you see them once a year, and they come in, and, you know, for some of you I know it's a Norman Rockwell painting, and you have a beautiful time, and nobody ever fights, and nobody has any problems or squabbles, but for the rest of us, maybe a few of you even are bracing <laughs> for what's ahead, for the family gathering and all the different things, uh, all the opinions, all the challenges, and so can we hear this word? If that's you today, would we hear this word from Colossians to us? It says, bear with each other. Bear with each other. I know your Uncle Joe rants and raves about politics until you're ready to just bang your head against a wall. You're like, stop. Everybody disagrees with you, but you still keep going on and on about it. Bear with one another. Bear with one another. Maybe you have a mother who loves to say things like, hey, you've put on a couple pounds lately. Are you going to wear your hair like that? You really wearing that to dinner? I hope none of us are that kind of mother. Bear with one another. Bear with one another. Maybe there's a sister-in-law or brother-in-law that's always competing, always making everything tense. Maybe they are just dysfunctional in some way, and it's just like, oh, when they show up, the whole thing, whole thing changes. It shifts. Bear with one another. Mm, what a word. Such a practical word. It doesn't say agree with one another. 
doesn't say go home and live together. <laughs> it also doesn't mean stay somewhere that you're being abused or really mistreated. We need to set bound- sometimes bearing with one another says to set a boundary. But it does say that we got to bear with each other. And you know what? Here's the thing. Paul wouldn't have said that if you didn't if they weren't going to be aggravating. <laughs> In other words, you don't have to bear with people who are nice and easy to be with, right? There's no bearing there. So he knew that we were going to have to bear with, that people were going to be annoying. <laughs> they were going to be opinionated. They were going to be selfish. They were going to be too loud, too, too quiet, too whatever. And he knew we were going to need to hear this word, bear. Bear with one another. I just think that's such a great word. And then, but the question is how? Okay, great, I want to try. But man, I get triggered. <laughs> man, I get triggered when it starts up, you know? He gives us this verse. It's amazing. First of all, he says, um, remember that we're forgiven, so we should be forgiving. I'm sure you've never once in your life been selfish or talked too much or said the wrong thing. Of course, we all have, right? And so if we have and Jesus has forgiven us, how much should we forgive those around us? So we forgive. We forgive because we've been forgiven. We have to let some things go. The second thing he says here is to put on love. And I kind of love this. It's like putting on a coat. It's like before you go to dinner, okay, before you go to your family dinner, whenever it is, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, whatever, it is when you're putting on your coat, because it's going to be cold, (laughs) so you're going to be putting on a coat, think, I'm putting on love. I'm just putting on love. I'm just going to love them. No matter what they say, do, how they, whatever, I'm just going to love them unconditionally, just the way they are. Lord, help me to love should be our prayer as we walk in. And the third thing he says is let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. You and I, if we know Jesus, we have Jesus in our hearts, and the peace of God is inside of us. And so we're at peace. We don't have to prove anything to anyone. We don't have to convince anyone of anything. We don't have to agree with everybody. They don't have to agree with us. We can just be at peace. We don't need to solve the problems of our family. We don't need to fix anybody. We can just have the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Be at rest. Oh, and what a pleasure we'll be to be around. (laughs) Maybe they won't have to bear with us quite so much. Amen. So what a powerful verse. I just wanted to walk us through that because I just thought it was so interesting for this time of year, how much we need to hear that, how much I need to hear that. Let's talk about another verse here, 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Uh, It talks about peace in a kind of a different way, a little bit of a broader way, not just in our individual families. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. And I just love that word, full restoration, that, that restoration means to mend what's broken. And from this context, it's in our interpersonal, horizontal relationships, being of one mind, being at peace. It means, as Christians, we should be about repairing things that are broken in our families, in our communities, and in our world. Injustices, abuses, wounds, hardships, all the brokenness that comes from a sinful world. We're meant to be agents of change and of healing, of healing. Prince of Peace has come, but it's not just for yours and my personal peace. It's for us to become peace givers, peacemakers, as we enter in and interact in the world. Tim Keller, in his book, Generous Justice, says this about shalom. He says, shalom means complete reconciliation. 
a state of the fullest flourishing in every dimension, physical, emotional, social, and spiritual, because relationships are right, perfect, and filled with joy. Amen. Reconciliation is Jesus' work. It's shalom. It's making shalom. And when we don't have it between one another, it affects us, doesn't it? I um, recently talked with a few of my old friends from New York. We have a a Zoom call we get on, and um, they brought up a person who had had a bit of a falling out with a couple of us many, many years ago, Um, but it was kind of a a dramatic thing, and they walked out, walked out of the church and everything, and and this person apparently had just started coming now to their new church that they were going to, and so my friends were trying to talk about, like, how this is in New York, trying to figure out how they're going to kind of handle all of that. And, you know, I have very few unresolved relationships in my life because I am big on settling stuff. Like, let's resolve it, let's talk about it, whatever. Um, But this was one I couldn't resolve. She got mad about something, and I don't even fully understood, I never fully understood what it was, but everything I tried to do to talk about, like, let's just talk about it. And I'm so ready to apologize if I've offended you, if I've done anything. And I, I called and emailed and tried so many times, and she just wouldn't do it. She wouldn't talk to me at all. And so it was just, like, cut off. And man, do I hate that. (laughs) Oh, man, that just, you want to talk about triggering, okay? That triggers me because, you know, I understand that sometimes I'm going to offend somebody. I'm going to offend some of you at some point, I'm sure. I'm a human being. I'm going to say something that's not right. I'm going to be unthoughtful, uh, selfish at some point. And and just come and tell me, okay? (laughs) Just come to me, and I'm not going to bite your head off. I'm going to say I'm sorry. Or maybe I'll explain what was going on with me at that moment. But but I want to be able to make amends if possible. Let's at least talk it out. And if at the end of the day we don't see eye to eye, that's fine. We don't have to agree, but at least we've talked it out. Right? We may have to go our own separate ways, but Lord, there's, there's been peace. We've brought peace. I just feel like that's Jesus' way, right? And, and so it just frustrates me to no end when that doesn't happen. And so this, talking about this person just brought it all back up for me, that horrible feeling when there's no shalom. It's not right. It's the same thing that you hear when you hear on the news about somebody that was incarcerated for 18 years, and then they finally turns out they were, they were innocent, oh, that's just wrong. That's not shalom, right? This person just got their whole life just, you know, wasted away in jail because of a wrong thing. We, this should upset us. Lack of shalom, whether it's in our own relationships, in our society, in our world, should bother us. It should feel bad and wrong because we're people of the kingdom, and the kingdom is a place of shalom. The kingdom of God is a place of shalom. God is a bringer of shalom. And so we're called to bring shalom, to be healers and repairers. And so I urge us today, if we know that our brother or sister has something against us, go make it right. It should bother you. Work to bring shalom. Likewise, if you know your brother or sister is being treated unfairly or unjustly for some reason, maybe due to the color of their skin, or their gender, or their sexual orientation, or their class, anything, we should, that should bother us. Let's be agents of bringing shalom. Let's bring peace. Or if we know that our brother or sister is struggling to eat, they don't have money, they don't have enough food, they don't know how have a place to live, this should bother us. Let's, let's bring shalom. Let's do what we can to bring peace to that person. And if we have a brother or sister who's mentally distressed and they're getting no help, they have no way to get any help or comfort, that should bother us. Let's help. Let's bring shalom. Does that make sense to us this morning? We can be agents of shalom and peace. And yeah, 
there's a lot of need for shalom in our world, isn't there? <laughs> we, can't, we can't help every person, but we can do what God puts in front of us to do. We can bring shalom. We're followers of the Prince of Peace. And if we're participants in this kingdom, of this king, we ought to take on the characteristics, right, of our king. We're not just receivers of peace, but we're bestowers of peace. And so it's a worthwhile thought to say, in what way can I bring peace in my world right now? Maybe it's just in your family, in your own household. Maybe you need to be a bringer of shalom. You can ask yourself, am I a bringer of peace or of chaos? (laughs) It's always an interesting word. Sometimes we have to admit we're a bringer of chaos. Let's be bringers of peace. Maybe it's in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in Greensboro, in our world. How can we be people who bring peace? In our Lectio 365 devotional, it's a great devotional, daily devotional that Paul and I uh, do quite frequently. Um, a few weeks back, they quoted Justin Welby, who is the Archbishop of Canterbury. And he was reflecting on Matthew 5, 9, which is where it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, um, for they will be called children of God. And here's what um, the, the Archbishop said about that. He said, as one made in the image of God, peacemaking, reconciliation is in my DNA. It's part of my identity as a disciple of Jesus Christ. People will know we're God's children because we show the family likeness. Given peace from God, we build peace. Isn't that great? We build peace. So let's think about being a peacemaker and a peace builder this week as we go to our family gatherings and other events. So that's shalom between people between us, one another, men and women in the world. But there's another kind of shalom that God came to bring. He's our prince of shalom, and that is a restoration with God. It's shalom, it's peace with God. And praise God for that. This is a wonderful, this is the wonderful, freeing good news that Jesus came to bring you peace in your heart. That's what he, he came to do. Um, and if we recall from the creation story, we have Adam and Eve, and they were in harmony with one another at creation and, with most importantly, with God, right? They walked in the garden. They talked and walked with him, and they, they had a beautiful time of fellowship. There was un, unbroken relationship and fellowship with God. And what we know, if we are a Christian and we understand our uh, Christian theology and Christian values, is that Adam and Eve made a fatal mistake in the middle of all that. They decided that they could find their peace and significance from something other than God. And so they went to that tree, and the tree of knowledge, and ate from that tree and disobeyed the Lord. And as we know, we suffer the results of that sin, right? Sin was introduced into the world. They had it all. They had the peace. But they chose to find peace somewhere else. They chose to find significance somewhere else. And, you know, we're all a little bit like that. Because uh, we're all born <laughs> into that, right? Looking for peace in all these different ways. Um, and, and I know we do it even so, even though we know we can find our peace in God, we try to find it in other places, right? We buy something new. Oh, I'll just get a new shirt. That'll be good. That'll make me feel better. Or we plan a vacation. That's what I need. I need a vacation. Or a massage, which is not a bad thing. I'm all about a massage. <laughs> but um, maybe it's a couple glasses of wine. Whatever it is that we think is going to give us calm, <laughs> Right? What we really need is to be reconciled to God every day, to come back to him, to, to know him. I love how St. Augustine said, you know, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Prince of Peace is here, and he makes you and me right with God. He makes you and me right with God. Romans 5, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace 
in which we now stand. See, by faith, we have peace with God. That's all, and once we have that peace, it's not, it's by grace. It's not that you earned it. It's not that you deserved it. It's just that you came to God by faith. And he says, by the grace of God, you have peace with him. He has forgiven your sins. He has given you ability to have a new life in him here on earth and in the forever. That's what he does when we come to him by faith and grace. And we, we get to come back. It says we gain access by faith. It's like back to that Garden of Eden closeness. We get access to the Father. We get to go behind the veil into the Holy of Holies. We get to be with our God. That brings peace. That's peace right there to come to know him. And there may be some of you here today who've never made that commitment. You don't really know what I'm talking about. You know in theory, but it's not ever really hit your heart. And so I want to encourage you today that maybe, maybe you have also been trying to find peace in all kinds of different places, but that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the one who will fulfill that restlessness in your soul. You can come to him. It's the key to it. And that we, I'm going to give you an opportunity later in the, in the message as we're closing today to, to surrender to God. Because when we surrender to him and, and give our life to him and allow him to come in, he becomes the prince of peace in our life. And then there's a peace that passes all understanding that comes in. It's like, a, it's like putting a warm blanket on and sitting in front of a roaring fire. You know that feeling? <laughs> that peace envelops you when you come to him. And so I encourage you to think about that. Think about the promise of Isaiah 26, 3 to 4. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. We can trust in him and we will have peace. Now I know there's a few of you out here saying, okay, that's good. I agree, Beth. But I've been a Christian a long time. I already did that whole thing. I know I'm saved. I know I'm a child of God, but I still ain't at peace. (laughs) I'm stressed out. I'm busy. I don't know which way is up. I'm overwhelmed half the time. And, you know, I want you to know, first of all, that I, I, I get that. I'm there sometimes, too. I have to shout out, Lord, where's, where's the Prince of Peace? <laughs> where's the peace, right? We pray for one another for peace in the midst of our, of our difficult times, stru- struggling through challenging moments, um, difficult seasons. And, you know, there's many different reasons we might, as Christians, who already have the peace of God inside of us, right? We have the Holy Spirit in us. We already are given the peace of God. Um, why would we then still not always feel at peace? That's a, whole, that's a whole journey, right? We're learning our whole life how to come to really walking with Jesus so that we can walk in true peace. It is possible. I know people who really do most of the time. I mean, nobody perf- nobody's perfect. But can, you can walk in peace even in the midst of hard times. But it's not... It's not easy. <laughs> um, and it's something we grow in over time. But here's a verse that I always find interesting and a little bit convicting. Okay? So I'm going to just give you this. Uh, maybe someday we'll do a whole series on peace and we can get a little more deeply into it. But Psalm 85.8 says this. I will listen to what the Lord, what, what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants. But let them not turn to folly. <laughs> Love that little ad on the end. I mean, see, you are his faithful servants, and he's promised peace. What he's saying is it's there for you. Peace is there. But let's not be foolish. There's some things we foolishly do that steal our peace, that robs us of the peace that he wants to give us. And, you know, we're human, and we're going to do these things. But I, I wanted to just lay them out. Um, 
What are some things that we do that chase away peace, that steal our peace? And it's if we persist in the same sin over and over again, we're not going to have peace. We're not going to have peace. If we keep ignoring the voice of God, he's telling you something, but you keep, la, 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 I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear. <laughs> we're not going to have peace. So he's going to keep telling us <laughs> over and over again. If we disobey the word of God, something we know for sure we're supposed to be doing, and we're not doing it, I'm guaranteeing you won't have peace. I can pray for you to have peace all till the cows come home. You still won't have peace. If we're pursuing a relationship that's not honoring to God, probably not going to have any peace. If we let our life, this one kind of hits me, if we get our lives so crowded with activities and busyness that we don't make time to connect with God, we're not going to have peace. Anybody guilty of that? Man, that's hard, right? I wonder why I don't have peace. It's because I haven't spent two minutes just talking to Jesus. Or if we're allowing our careers, our looks, our money, our houses, our hobbies to become more important to us than the things of God and the kingdom, we won't be at peace. These are the follies that steal our peace. And how easy is it to fall into those, right? So easy. So easy. But I have good news. I have good news for you. Peace comes as we simply place or replace Jesus at the center of our life. It's not like we've got to pay penance for all those things we did wrong. We can come to him right now and say, okay, we're going we're gonna to change some things right now. And I want, I want to be at peace with you, God. I'm going, to, I'm going to start listening to you about this. I'm going to start obeying your word on this. I'm going to start just spending some time with you and listening to you. Stop running around like a crazy person. And we have a choice about that. It was kind of interesting. Um, Nate and I went and got our Christmas tree this weekend finally. This was uh, very late for me, but we just moved and everything's been a little chaotic. So we got to go this weekend, and we went to that little pop-up tree stand that's by on the Harris Teeter parking lot over on Lawndale, right? They have the, the thing there. And so we get our tree, and this very nice man is helping us with the tree. And um, he's put, putting, on the tr- putting it on our car and everything. And, uh, you know, he's real pleased to see me and my son there, right, so us two together. And he says, you know, I used to see families come all the time. They would just come. It was gonna be, we're going to get the tree, and we're going to run. And they would, the kids would run up and down the aisles, and they'd take their time, and they'd all pick the tree out together. And he said, you know what happens now? He said, people just come racing in here. One person will be like, i got to get the tree. And they race in, and they pick the first one. they got to get out of here as fast as they can. He's, and he's like, are they really that busy? Can they just take a minute to be with their family and pick out a tree? And then he, he, he said this. He said, I want to ask them, do you really need to be that busy or are you just making yourself that way? <laughs> Talk about conviction in the middle of the parking lot. <laughs> Harris Teeter, I was like, all right, enough of that. Let's go. La, 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 la. <laughs> Let me not return to my folly. Let us not be foolish. Let us not be foolish. Let me not make myself stressed, but let me come to the Prince of Peace. To the Prince of Peace. Come to him, especially at this busy season. Just come to him. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. He wants to bring us peace. It's a return to the Garden of Eden, to that shalom. He brought king, the kingdom to the earth, and, and peace is what the kingdom is like. So wherever we be, we should be bringing peace. Wouldn't you love that? To have people, when they describe you, say, wow, when they walk in the room, I just feel like everything gets peaceful. Wouldn't that be nice? Lord, let that be. Let that be. It's a hard one peace. It doesn't come easily. We will have to have some hard conversations with people if you have a falling out. That happens. Everybody has falling outs and differences of opinion. We have to talk it out. So we have to sometimes 
fight for peace, to take some action. We have to kind of come out of our comfort zone sometimes to make peace, to make shalom, especially in our, in our world, in our community. And it wasn't easy for the Prince of Peace either. He died for you and me so that we could have this peace. It's a hard-won peace. So we're going to go into a time of communion now. And, before, and I'll invite the band and the, and the um, communion servers to come on up. But I want us just to take a moment before we get into taking communion, just to close our eyes and invite the Prince of Peace into your life. Let God speak to you how you might experience more of his shalom. We may have to consider, do we have to make peace with our fellow man in some way? Is there a person here or in our family or friend that we need to have a conversation with? That we need to make peace with? Are we being called to make peace in our community in some way? To speak against injustice? To take care of people who are hurting? Step outside our comfort zone? Do we need to consider if we have to walk away from some foolishness today? Some sins or behaviors that are maybe keeping you from being with Jesus, keeping us busy and distracted. And I want to invite you to consider this morning if you might want to surrender to God for the first time today. To lay down your sword and declare peace. And allow him Invite him to come in and rule as king of your life. Lord Jesus, we come to you today. We invite you into our lives, Lord, as our prince of peace, as king of kings. Forgive us our sins, Lord. Forgive us our foolishness. And give us new life. New strength. New hope. 